Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, it's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Monday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. So much going on here in Las Vegas, around the sports world for that matter. Team USA trying to redeem themselves. I think they play, I forget who they play, Argentina? Australia. Australia. Uh, the Team USA is playing Australia over at, um, is it still the Thomas Mack Center, Damon? Is that what we're calling it? Yes, it's still the Thomas and Mack Center. Okay. They don't call it something else? There's no, like, uh, brand name or anything like that? Nope, you know? nope, nope. It's the Thomas and Mac. Okay. You know what I saw at the Thomas and Mac Center way back in the day, Damon? I don't think you'll ever guess what this was. A fight. It had, to, it had to do with the NBA? No. A fight? No. Okay. I think it was, I think the year was 1988, 1980. Yeah, probably like 88. Maybe you, no. A little bit earlier than that. Anyway, back in the 80s, the Utah Jazz would play a certain amount of games in Las Vegas. Um, For anyone that doesn't know the geography of Southern Nevada, Salt Lake City, where the Jazz play, um, eight hours away, something along those lines. It's not all that far away. So Las Vegas, um, Utah, the Utah Jazz, was the closest, one of the closest teams to Las Vegas. Obviously, the Lakers were the closest, being about four hours away, and the Clippers as well. Um, But the Utah Jazz wanted to kind of cultivate the geography a little bit and and sway some fans here in Las Vegas to the Jazz. So they would play about eight games a year or so over at the Thomas & Mack Center to kind of tap into the Las Vegas market. Well, it just so happened that the year that I'm talking about, 85, 86, somewhere around there in the 80s, the Lakers were scheduled to play the Utah Jazz. And it was just so happened to coincide with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar running down Wilt Chamberlain for the all-time scoring championship or scoring lead distinction, a record that nobody thought was going to ever get broken. Nobody was going to ever break Wilt Chamberlain's uh, career scoring record. Well, here comes a kid by the name of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar out of UCLA, uh, just tearing apart the NBA uh, with, among other things, just the most unblockable, undefensible shot in basketball, uh, the skyhook. I still don't know why players don't use it now, big men, but whatever. Uh, and, and, and so anyway, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar needs about, 10 points, I don't remember what it was, going into the game here in Las Vegas at the Thomas and Mack Center against the Utah Jazz to break Wilt's record, which he did on a skyhook, of course. Um, and so it's one of the great trivia questions because if you ask, where did Kareem Abdul-Jabbar break the all-time scoring record uh, you know, of Wilt Chamberlain, nobody would ever guess Las Vegas unless you really, really knew that because there was no team in Las Vegas. How could he have done that? Uh, but again, the Utah Jazz... Uh, played eight games a year, so here, so coincidentally, 
this is where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar broke one of the records that nobody thought was ever going to be broken. Postscript to that story. We're all getting ready to go on the get on the bus to head. I was working for the Lakers at the time. We're getting ready to head back to Caesar's Palace, the hotel uh, that we were staying at. And um, as as we're walking over on the court to the uh, walkway to get to the bus area, I see this guy taking down the net. All right, he's wearing a suit. He's he's taking down the net, the one where Kareem, Kareem um, hit the hit the bucket to break the record. And he's just wrapping up, and he kind of puts it into his, slides it into his coat pocket, his suit pocket. And I walk up to him. I was like, "Excuse me, who, who, are, who are you?" You know. And um, it turns out that he was basically stealing. He was just happened to be there, happened to realize like nobody's really looking. I'm going to go get that net and try to make some money off of it. And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. That's property of of the Los Angeles Lakers and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar." Give me that net. Give me that. Well, who are you? You know, and I had to explain to him what I did. And so your boy Vinny saves the day. I want to say that that net is now at the Hall of Fame. Um, but I mean, I got to I, I rarely pat myself on the back. But on this one, I got to. Uh, somebody was just going to walk out of Thomas and Mack Center. Great security, by the way. And take the net, <laughs> the basketball net. Uh, that that Kareem w- was hanging from the rim when Kareem broke the record on that sweet sky hook off of his sister Magic Johnson. Uh, but I was not going to let that happen, Damon. Uh, I made sure that that um, was not going to happen. So anyway, just a little bit of Las Vegas history and Laker history. Vegas uh, took his chances. He should have like just bull rushed you or something. I would have. I would have said who would have never who happened. Stop me. I was young and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I would have fought for that. There's no question about it. And plus, I had, you know, right behind me were going to be some players pretty soon and, you know, the Lakers staff. So we would have made sure that, uh, that that never, ever happened because you can't just walk away with the net. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, but anyway, I was able to uh, make sure that that didn't happen. It was a great, 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 great moment. Uh, I'll never forget it. I was able to bring my brother, Michael, um, unfortunately passed away not too long after that in a car accident so it was one of our great memories he was a couple years older than i was i was able to to get him you know out to the to the game he went to all the behind the scenes stuff with me um it was really really cool so 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 that made it even more special something that i always think about uh but you know for for and i've seen some big games that wasn't the only time the lakers had to play at the thomas and max center now that i think about it um if you remember Los Angeles history, um, there were the riots in the in the eighties, um, and uh, they, the these the LA riots started. It was after in the aftermath of the Rodney King um, wrongful, stupid. I can't believe that that jury came up with that verdict, but whatever. Um, you know the the not guilty for the police officers who beat uh, Rodney King. It started a riot in Los Angeles, and the Lakers were playing. The, the Portland Trailblazers in the Western Conference playoffs, the night that it started, like, and we're at the Forum in Inglewood, which was right down the street from the heart of the matter. And as, we're like keeping one eye on the game, um, the playoff game, and, a, and another on the TV news uh, watching all of this unfold. And we were kind of all freaking out because eventually we're all going to have to leave the Forum and drive home to wherever we lived. Uh, and they were kind of, you know, giving us hints and pointers on how to avoid, you know, the, the major mayhem. But by the time the sun came up the next morning, 
uh, after a full night's worth of, of riots, there was a lot of things that were damaged. Um, it was just a really, really unfortunate situation. And there was still a lot of danger. And the Lakers still were hosting the Portland Trailblazers. I want to say it was game four of that playoff series. It was going to be at the Forum. <clears throat> and they said, no, nah, we're not going to be able to do this. So they diverted the game from Los Angeles, Inglewood, to Las Vegas, the Thomas and Mack Center. So we, so we all on the fly had to... Uh, to just go put a game together and a, a game on uh, in Las Vegas on the on a on a drop of a hat, and so we all you know all of us staff members. There was a lot of people that were involved in that. We had to get on buses and and uh, and, and make the trek to uh, to Las Vegas and and put a game on. It was a, with a really heavy heart too. Um, that was a great Portland Trailblazer team. They ended up going to the finals that year. That was. The Laker team that didn't have, you know, Kareem uh, Abdul-Jabbar had had retired by that point. Uh, there was it was a lot different uh, Lakers team, um, and the Trailblazers had Clyde Drexler. They had a loaded team, and they went to the finals, lost to the uh, to the uh, Chicago uh, Bulls that year. But um, but yeah, the Lakers have a little bit of a history at the Thomas and Mack Center, and that's where Team USA tonight will try to get back uh, on on track. As they prepare for the Olympics, um, it was it was interesting to me seeing the reaction of people. Stephen A. Smith, among them, uh, kind of stuck his foot in his mouth a little bit. Uh, I thought disrespectfully so, uh, kind of making fun oh, of some yes. names. Oh yes, well, yeah, this and not not just the uh, oh, the uh, how many times oh, how many times has he stuck his foot in his mouth since today? <laughs> yeah, today was a bad day for Stephen A. Smith. He's come out and uh, and apologized, I think, genuinely um, for the remarks about uh, Otani, uh, which I thought were just completely off the rails. Uh, you know, basically, I don't know if you saw this uh, on, on first take this morning. He came out and said um, something along the lines of, it's not good that Major League Baseball's brightest young star is somebody that... Um, you know, I, I hate even saying what he said because I felt like it was so disrespectful uh, where you have to have an, an interpreter to understand what the hell he's saying. I mean, I, I just thought the whole notion of it was wrong, but the way he worded it, too, to understand what the hell he's I mean, come on. So uh, he's since <laughs> subsequently, um, you know, uh, apologized for that. The first one was half hearted. The second one, he wrote something out, understanding the situation. And uh, I felt like, OK, it was genuine. Uh, the second apology. But he also, on the same day that he did that, you know, was ripping apart Team USA for losing to, to, to Nigeria. And, you know, he was going down the roster of some of the Nigerian players. And, and granted, I'm, I'm not the best when it comes to pronunciation, but I'm certainly not going to say what Stephen A. said if I can't pronounce the name because that's on me, not on, you know, uh, on, on, on the, the player. That's his name. You have to respect somebody's name, you know, and, and so – you know what he said about the, in that regard about the uh, you know the Nigerian team was just completely disrespectful. Uh, but to the larger point of all that, yes, it was a huge loss by Team USA. Um, but that's not to take anything away from Nigeria that played a beautiful game. If you watch that game, they were on top of it. They were Mike Brown, um, who used to coach the Lakers, was was the head coach. So happy for him uh, for what he was able to to pull off. Some of those guys are in the NBA. It's not like these guys are are you know um, you know just some guys that they 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 uh, plucked off the streets and said here. You know, go play Team USA. These guys are professionals, and they're proud, and they have pride, and they have skill. And to kind of disparage them the way Stephen A. and probably some others have have done, 
it just isn't right. Um, I, I don't have many concerns about Team USA. I think they'll get it together. This was a friendly. It was a warm-up. It was their first game together as a team. Um, it's not going to always go well, you, you, no matter how many great players that you have uh, on, on a team, especially in a practice situation. You know, um, So uh, for me, as a sports fan, um, I was more happy for the Nigerian team than I was dishappy that, you know, or not happy that that Team USA lost. It's it's fine. It's not the end of the world. Um, they lost to a team that was really hungry, that, you know, uh, got an opportunity uh, on, a, on a fairly big stage against the cream of the crop, the best team in the world, Team USA. And they, they handed them their hats. That's what sports, that's what makes sports so beautiful. You got to play the game. Doesn't matter how much t- talented you are. Doesn't matter how many players you have that, you know, uh, are, are signing autographs probably for the other team before the game uh, in, in some cases. Doesn't matter how much star power you have. Uh, if you don't come correct and the other team does, that can happen. And I think the least offended of anybody was Team USA themselves. They understand game. They understand talent. Yes, they were disappointed. Yes, it was a rough night. Yeah, you don't want to lose um, to anybody when you're representing the United States in basketball of all sports, it's our sport and we're the best at it. And I don't, you know, uh, have any qualms saying that you expect to win. There's a lot of pressure that comes along with it. Um, and so it was disappointing, but that doesn't mean that team USA, Greg Popovich and, and all the great stars on that team can't tip their cap in a respectful way to Nigeria and say, yeah, it wasn't our night. But it sure was theirs, and we're going to give them their accolades for it. And some others just can't. I don't know why that is. Um, you know, maybe it's just a sign of the time. Um, but but we can't just tip our cap. Yeah, it's a sign of the time because people are used to Team USA. Like that dream team ruined it for for people of older ages, thinking that USA basketball is just going to dominate for the next hundred years. Yeah, and and that hasn't always been the case, and we've had our uh, you know we've we've had our periods where we've lost. Sometimes, you know, I remember going into the World Championships, you know, in the in the in the late two thousands, and you know, like Argentina had a squad. You know what I'm saying? France would have a squad. Um, sometimes Italy, um, they've had some pretty decent teams over the years, and you're like, wow, there's some players on that team, and if if a guy gets hot. You know, and and uh, maybe maybe you know uh, our guys aren't aren't on top of their game. Y- you can lose. There's nothing. There's nothing. You know, uh, it's it, you don't want to lose. But again, y- you tip your cap. And I and I got I gotta say this. You know, uh, I was a fan growing up of sports my entire life. You know, my entire young life. I still follow the Mets. That's my baseball team, if you want to put it that way. But when you cover sports for 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 a living. Uh, the whole notion of having like a f- uh, your team or rooting for somebody, it's hard to do because you're so focused on the team that you cover and you have to be, um, you know, you have to you have to look at it from a professional standpoint um, and, and, and not put your feelings into it whatsoever. Uh, and once you start doing that, you know, it's it's easy to stop like being a fan fan. It just always gets me like I, even some of my friends, how they hate the other team. And I'm like, there's, I mean, hate. It's just such a, it's, it's so weird to me. Like, just respect them. If they, if you, you, you're disappointed when your team loses, you hate, you know, when, when, when your team loses, but that doesn't mean you can't be respectful toward uh, the, the other team. You know, um, it's just, I, I, you know, I don't get it. Cause, and I'll tell you this too, after games at this level, 
the players are respectful toward each other for the most part. Yeah, you're going to have an occasional flare up here and there, but generally speaking, one of my favorite parts of a game, uh, you know, you go down in the field, you get ready to go to the locker room uh, to to report and, and interview players, but but a lot of times I'll stay on the field for just a little while to watch the reaction of players and stuff like that, and and I genuinely like um, how the sportsmanship of players after games, you know, uh, uh, showing each other respect and asking how their families are doing. It's like a war, kind of a sports war. I don't want to put it into uh, use the, the word war that way. But, um, you know, uh, to see guys enjoy each other's company and respectfully talk to each other and show great sportsmanship. I'm all about that, man. More so than I ever was when, when, when I was a, when I was younger, man, I, I hated Larry Bird. Oh my God. You know, uh, or, you know, uh, the, the Celtics or whoever my team was, was playing. Now it's like years later, I'm like, I love those guys. Like I loved even now that I look back talking to Larry Bird, talking to Kevin McHale and, 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 and chief Robert Parrish and Dennis Johnson, and how fun they were, how fun that locker room was. Yeah, you know, there's no doubt that as a Laker fan, the Boston Celtics represented your equal in a lot of ways. And that was a fearful, fearful thing because they were that good. And Larry Bird was that good. Like when I would wake up in the mornings during an NBA season, the first thing I would do is go look at the box score of the Boston Celtics to see what Larry Bird did because I was a huge Magic Johnson guy. And any little you know, uh, uh, advantage that Larry might have, it made you hurt as a, as a Magic fan. Now I look back and laugh at all that because it was just like, what a beautiful moment in sports. Two great, great players, great, great teams. Uh, and we still see that, you know, uh, to this day. And we should enjoy that a little bit more than some of the shenanigans that we're seeing at some of these arenas where, where you know, what, didn't Trey Young, somebody spit on him? I think it was in New York. Like, come on, grow up. Like, it's not that serious. You know, there's ways to root for your team, but also respect uh, the, the the other team. But, um, you know, what, what are you going to do? Uh, but Las Vegas definitely has – It's it's interesting seeing – L or Las Vegas when I was here to to see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar break that scoring record to where it is right now even some of the even some of the uh, aerial shots at some of these big events you know when you see the when you see the uh, skyline lit up and and the strip all lit up and, and buzzing it's just like wow man it has come so far this area and you see Allegiant Stadium in that picture and and now T-Mobile Arena uh, and all the new hotels and properties that have been built and just how beautiful it looks. It just it has a big time feel to it now. Um, and, and I think that's just going to keep keep on growing and growing and growing. It was a spectacular weekend here in Las Vegas, a spectacular Saturday. And for the honestly, we were the center of the entertainment industry world uh, on Saturday. It was cool to see you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What's good, Raider Nation? It's Monday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We are two weeks and a day. Half of a day. Yeah, I'm neurotic. I count it like that. 
from the opening of Raiders training camp. It's been a long ride to get here. On the other hand, it's kind of flown by like nobody's business. I could literally remember being in Denver, Colorado. Cold, cold, cold night. As the Lakers, or as the Lakers, as the Raiders wrapped up uh, the 2020 season, comeback fashion, two point conversion, Derek Carr to Darren Waller to wrap up last season with an eight and eight record. Derek Carr talking immediately afterward, telling us, you know, the, the theme of 2021 is going to be to finish, finishing practices, finishing seasons, finishing games, doing what you need to do, sacrificing whatever it is that you might need to sacrifice off the field to put yourself in a better position to physically finish the season, be available at practices, at games. There was a lot of that going on last year um, in terms of availability. And not to say that guys were out on the prowl or anything like that. Uh, I just think that from Derek's perspective, there's some young guys that need to learn how to manage that a little bit better in terms of uh, their bodies and doing the right things, eating right, working out right, being at practice. Now, in their defense, COVID-19 didn't do anybody any favors last year as far as, as far as availability. How many times did an, an entire position group have to sit out a whole week of practice or a player or two had to sit out a whole week of practice due to contact tracing or something along those lines and have to go play in the game on Sunday. It was just a weird situation. Uh, but hopefully all of those things are behind us as far as COVID-19. Um, got it on pretty good authority that the Raiders are in really, really, really good shape uh, as, as it relates to uh, player vaccinations. Uh, there's seven teams um, that are above the 85% threshold in terms of players that are, are, are vaccinated. Um, I have a good feeling based on people that I've talked to uh, that the Raiders, if they're not among that set, those seven teams, they're right alongside there. They're, they're near there. They're in really good shape. As far as that goes, it's not an insignificant thing. The world for vaccinated players compared to not non-vaccinated players could not be any different. It's just, and, you know, the NFL can't sit here and say you have to be vaccinated. They, they they can't. They won't. They aren't. And, you know, much of this has to be agreed upon uh, collectively between the Players Association and the NFL. But the Players Association and the NFL came up with rules that govern vaccinated players and unvaccinated players. And when I say that the worlds are completely different the worlds are completely different um right on down to you know if you're not vaccinated your travel restrictions are you know pretty dramatic you have to stay at the team hotel you can't go visit with friends um outside of the team hotel you have to eat your dinner eat your meals at the team hotel vaccinated players can kind of come and go as they want uh, they can hang out with friends and family members on the road uh, that are that are as long as they're vaccinated, um, you know, inside the building, vaccinated players don't have to wear masks. There's no restrictions in terms of social distancing. Uh, they can work out in the weight room. The numbers don't matter. They can have access to the sauna and the steam room. Non-vaccinated players can't eat the can't eat at the cafeteria. Uh, they don't have access to the sauna or steam room. Uh, when they're working out in the weight room, it has to be, there's only a certain number of players that can be in there. Uh, 
uh, alongside them. Uh, there's just a lot of restrictions for vaccinated players. And I, everyone understands this is everyone has a choice to make as far as that goes. Um, so nobody's being forced into doing anything one way or another. But, you know, we all have to understand that rules are rules, whether it's the NFL and the Players Association, life in general. I'm getting ready to take a big trip uh, out of the country. There's all kinds of um, hoops that I got to jump through, and I'm okay with that. I, I'm, I feel like whatever I can do to help the greater good, I'm going to do. I don't look at it as a being forced to do it. The government is cracking down on me. This is my rights. It's just okay. You know, ever since I've been a little kid, all I know is to go play football in high school, I had to be vaccinated for all kinds of different things, right? That's why everyone feeling like this or acting like this is so dramatically different from things that we've done anyway for many, many, many years. I couldn't go to a public school and neither could you, anybody else, a public school, unless you had your shots. Do you remember that? You probably don't. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But, you know, most of us do. If you have kids, I have kids. I can't. My kids can't go to public schools unless they have their updated vaccinations for any number of things. So it's kind of like it's not that different, but whatever. And everyone has a right. And even parents to this day have a right. Uh, whether to vaccinate their kids or not. But if they don't, you know, obviously we live in a free country, but we also have to look at the, for the common good for all of us, for the majority of us, not just a few of us. So if you don't get your kids vaccinated, they're going to probably have to be homeschooled. They're not going to be able to participate in high school sports and all that type of thing. It's just the way it goes. So, and that's the way it is in the NFL. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you don't have to get vaccinated, but just understand that there's going to be some restrictions applied if you don't. And I, I don't understand there, there. There's no gripe. There should be no gripe. We've seen a few players kind of speak out like, well, how, how this is unconstitutional. This is not right. Well, good luck with that. Your union and the and the owners agreed to it. They're not just looking out for your right not to get vaccinated. They're looking out for the collective of the players, the majority of the players. What's safer for them? What's safest for them, for the majority? By the way, we are going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, it's Zach... I'm getting this as a Zachtastic. Zachtastic. Okay. That's what I heard. All right. It looks like a uh, typo, but okay. Zachtastic. I love it. I uh, want to talk about Raiders predictions. How you doing, Zachtastic? Man, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling blessed, man. How about good. yourself? Likewise, man. Right, I well, cannot I cannot argue. I, man, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm doing good, but uh, unfortunately, but fortunately. The way the Raiders play the season and how they handle their business as grown men like I do when I go to work every day, I want to know how good they're going to do on Sunday, if they're going to bring that heat. Because that determines how I'm feeling for the week for work. Uh, yeah, I hear you, man. I just want to know, I, every year I'm hyped up that they're going to go to Super Bowl, they're going to go playoffs. They beat the Chiefs one out of two times, almost beat them two, twice, twice this year, last year. Okay? And they, they, yep. The Dolphins, they, they replaced the Dolphins with the Arden Key with Yannick. So every year I expect them to go Super Bowl, but every year I'm let down. So I'm a little heartbroken. So I just want to know, I just want to know, are they for real or are they bullshitting? 
let me ask you that. I'll ask. I'll, I'll flip it to you. What do you think? Honestly, you've been a Raider fan longer than I've been. I've been somebody no, that's no, covered no, the Raiders. No, no, Vinny, we're not asking him anything. No, 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 no. I, I, I want to know, like your gut feeling. Like you, you know what? Like, like I, I, I've been a sports fan. I, I still follow the Lakers. I still follow the Mets. There's years where I go in thinking, you know, one thing: Lonzo Ball and that crew was out there. I understood this is going to take a long while. Time player. What's that? Well, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from North Cal, but I live in Dallas. So okay. I, mean, I was a sack fan. I, I was a Warriors fan when they had Baron Davis, Stephen Jackson, as far as Curry. And I'm talking about Chris Weber. Chris, I mean, that's going to stay, but Chris Weber, when, when was, Kings was was hot. It was Chris Weber, Doug Christie, and now I'm out here in Dallas. I mean, you got Mike Bibby, White Chocolate out there, and, you know, Sack Town, but out here in Dallas. Uh, they, they got the Mavericks, and that was a heated battle in the NBA. Back oh yeah, day, but... and those 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 Sacramento teams that you named were were legit. That's why I want to ask you that you you know what's good and not right. You know what you know what's real uh, or, or not. I think that they're. I think that they are. I think they've made. I don't think they've wasted their time in these last three years. Anything but, and I think they've put themselves in a position where um, if they could get that defense squared away and it doesn't have to be by a lot but by enough this is a playoff team like legitimately a playoff team i couldn't say that i felt that way you know going into last year there were just too, still too many questions about that about that defense but seeing what i saw talking about, talking about the raiders though yes Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Like I got, I got carried away with the sack. No, no down. worries. But let, I'm asking you, a Raider fan, how do you honestly right. feel about this team? The big, the 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 hottest, the hottest hire of the year was Gus Bradley. What did they do about Unique Ngakwe? I mean, yeah, yeah. He's going. He's going. Definitely better than Arden Key. Yeah, that there's one no play right there. Destroyed us. That that limited us from the playoffs. The, the penalty against the Miami Dolphins? Oh, yeah, dude. Fitzpatrick threw, like, what, a 50-yard first down with his fucking neck turned sideways? Yeah, it's crazy. That was pretty wild. I tried to for- – I almost forgot that <laughs> now that you mention it. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, li- listen, yeah, yeah, um, I, obviously what? obviously everything has to break right. I mean, uh, or, or things just have to break right. That's for any team that's going to try to hunt down a playoff spot. There's a lot of good teams in the NFL. It's very competitive. The line between um, the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams is very, very thin. Games are very thin. The lines are very thin. Um, it's, it's hard to win in the NFL. But I do think the offense is where it needs to be. I think it's going to be better than it was last year or has a chance to be better than it was last year. And I'd be shocked if that defense – wasn't improved, whether it's you want to say moderately or significantly. And if 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 that does happen, I can honestly sit here and say I can definitely see the Raiders in the playoffs. I'd be surprised and disappointed if they weren't in the playoffs. Now I couldn't have said that in 2018. I couldn't have said that in 2019. There is no way going into either of any of those years that I would be sitting here thinking, yeah, the Raiders are a legitimate playoff team. They should be able to uh, co- compete for a playoff spot. And I don't. There's, I, I'd be hard pressed to say that I could find any real Raider fans that would have felt. I mean, obviously you're hopeful, and you're 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 excited about the new season, and you're hopeful. But in 2018 and 2019, I don't think any real Raider fans that were really paying attention were like, "Yeah, we're going to be a playoff team this year." It was it was they, there there was 
just too much work that needed to be done. But now, I think that real Raider fans, if they've pay, been paying attention, saw what happened on offense last year, saw some of the changes that were made on defense this year, saw the coaching change uh, with Gus Bradley, understanding that last year they were legitimately three or four plays, three plays, uh, three stops in the closing minutes away from being an 11-win team. Their offense put themselves put that team in position to win 11 games last year, like legit position down the stretch under a minute or so to play a minute left to play um, or a minute 43 against the chiefs in overtime against the chargers. The Raiders offense did their job to give that defense the lead in late game situations. And three times they blew those leads. The defense did. Um, so when you think AFC West, what's that? <laughs> What'd you say? The Raiders are going to win the AFC West this year, man. Well, hey, I'm not going to go that far. But, see, could you have said that last year? Could you have said that going into last year confidently? I don't think so. But you are this year. And while I think that, you know, obviously this is the, to me, this is the Kansas City Chiefs division to lose. But I'm not going to rule it out. I saw the Raiders compete against the Kansas City Chiefs last year. Beat them one time, fairly decisively, and then should have beaten them a second time. And those were no flukes. The Kansas City Chiefs were fully loaded in those games. They had all their players, basically. You know, everyone has injuries here and there. But it wasn't like when the Chargers beat the Chiefs late in the season where they were resting all their players. These were full-fledged Chiefs, full bore. All their guys were out there. All the Raiders were out there. And the Raiders stood toe-to-toe with the defending Super Bowl champions and eventual AFC West, um, you know, defending champion. So, yeah, I mean, if, if, if the Raiders' defense comes correct, that offense is going to be able to compete against any. There's nobody in the NFL. Nobody. Even the Chiefs. That I can't sit here and say, yeah, the Raiders – won't be able to score points on those. Won't be able to score a bunch of points against the, that team. Now, obviously, there's some defenses that are better than others. And you got to figure out a way to score enough points uh, against them. But and then also your offense, your defense has to figure out a way to 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 limit them uh, to a certain amount of points to allow the, the 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 team to win. The Baltimore Ravens come to mind. That's typically a really good defense. So to sit here and say. You know, the Raiders are going to hang 30 on, on the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens defense is usually too good, to, you know, better than that. So it might, you might only get 20 against the Baltimore Ravens in that game because typically the Ravens defense is that is that good. And this is where being a complete team comes into play, where sometimes, and this is what I was trying to stress on Twitter, you got to look your defense in the face or vice versa sometimes. They, man, we need you today. We need you to hold these guys to like 15, 16 points. We'll we'll work our butts off to go get 20 against a really good defense. Hopefully more. But it might be one of those days where we're only going to get 20. We need you to hold them to 17 so that this is a win. And the Raiders haven't been able to look at their defense honestly and say, "Man, we need you. You, you got to you get we're you know, there's games where the Raiders are going to go into it and say, "We're going to be able to hang 35 against these guys." Period. So just make sure that, you know, you keep it around 20, 25, and we'll be good. But there's others where we might get 19 on these guys, so you're going to have to hold them to 16. 
Can you legitimately ask your defense to do that? They couldn't last year. Will that change this year? You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Hey guys, just wanted to uh, remind you on Sundays over at uh, Salud Mexican Bistro and Tequileria, which is at 8125 West Sahara Avenue here in Las Vegas, uh, there is a Latin party brunch every Sunday from 1 to 5 p.m. Live music and dancing and great food and drinks. Of course, our friends over at Embajador Tequila and Demon Rum are all a part of that. Um, Also... Just to let you know, um, Monzu, the Italian restaurant here in Las Vegas, uh, proudly serves the award-winning embajador um, and uh, uh, tequila, in addition to just tremendous Italian food. So, uh, so go check out our friends uh, over at Monzu Italian Restaurant here in Las Vegas. I uh, just wanted to uh, give you guys some hookups. Another reminder, uh, I will be here tomorrow and Wednesday, regular time. 4 to 6 p.m., but then I'm going down vacation. And uh, Q Myers will be filling in for me uh, on 4 to 6, from 4 to 6, uh, the rest of the week. And through my vacation, I'll be back on Monday, July 26th, the day before the start of training camp, and away we go. Uh, but I'm going to get a little bit of rest and relaxation prior to training camp. Uh, but you're going to be in great hands uh, with Q Myers, who, by the way, uh, once I do get back on the 26th, uh, Q will um, fall back to 2 to 4 o'clock. Uh, he's going to be hosting uh, that show, Unnecessary Roughness, from 2 to 4. Can't wait to listen uh, to his new show. Can't wait to uh, tune in from time to time uh, on vacation uh, and listen to how he's doing, uh, holding down the fort here on uh, in the huddle from 4 to 6. Uh, so looking forward to that. But um, I will not be talking to you guys for a little while uh, after Wednesday. I uh, hope everybody enjoys the rest of their time off or their non-football time because it's getting ready to get hot and heavy uh, come July 27th. I can't wait, frankly. Uh, it, it just feels so much more normal this year compared to last year. Remember training camp last year began with the little <laughs> the conditioning period uh, and then there was the ramp up uh, to, to being able to get into full pads uh, and then there were just a certain amount of uh, uh, practices that they could have uh, before the fully padded uh, segment. Um, you know, it was just so weird. Everything was weird. We were getting tested for COVID-19 every day before we got into the building. Um, it just, you know, everyone had to wear masks. You were just, you were looking at something that you never thought you'd see in your lifetime. It was just so different. Um, I'm just, you know, to, to have gotten through that, I give the NFL a lot of credit, uh, as many other sports uh, out there that, that, that pulled it off. Um, they were able to get their season in. Um, it was it was a challenge sometimes, and there were games that got moved around a little bit. Uh, but somehow, some way, the full season got played, including the Super Bowl. But it just feels so much more normal uh, this year. There was actually OTAs uh, and mini camp. 
you know, there's going to be on July 27th, it's going to be just a regular training camp, uh, just as it's been in years past. Uh, so I'm excited to see that. The Rams, who I used to cover, they're going to have their training camp, um, or at least a, a segment of it out at UC Irvine. Um, used to love going out to UC Irvine when I was in my days covering the Rams. So they're getting back to normal there. Um, the Raiders will have a regular training camp this year. They'll be able to go practice against the Rams for a couple of practices uh, before they play the Rams at SoFi Stadium in, in mid-August. Looking forward to that. It's just, it's it's so much more exciting. There was so much of an unknown last year. Like, like you would have been hard-pressed to get a bet in with somebody. I, I remember talking to people. You think the season's actually going to start and finish? Nah, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be, uh, they're going to have to stop it, get it back together and restart it. You know, there's going to be a lot of that going on probably because we're dealing with such an unknown. Um, and yet, and still, they were able to get uh, the games in and, and the schedule played, uh, including a playoff and, and a Super Bowl. But it was just so much different compared to years past, even the regular season, because there just weren't fans involved. And in the stadiums where they were there, it was very, very minimal. Um, it just, it, I'm never going to take fans for granted again. Not that I ever did. I always enjoyed the fan aspect of, of sports and what they bring to the table and how they impact games and, you know, in favor of the home team and uh, just the thrill of it, the excitement level that they bring. You know, there's many times, that's why I prefer an open press box. There's press boxes in the NFL and in sports that are enclosed. You're closed off to the sounds and smells and feels of everything by a big glass window. I hate those stadiums, to be honest with you. I can't stand it. I like the open press box. Allegiant Stadium is an open press box. Um, and the reason I do is because there's there's times, especially on a night game, where you have to write on deadlines. So you're busy kind of writing your story, kind of keeping an eye on, on the field, trying to do both because that deadline comes fast and it's no joke. And so you'll be writing something, trying to you know make sure that you're on top of that part of it. Uh, and so maybe you miss a play, but you hear the crowd. The crowd alerts you to something big just happened or is about to happen. And so, it, and it's just, it's it's it makes it that much better going to a sporting event. And I missed it dearly last year. I was just talking to to somebody um, with the Raiders over the weekend because uh, I had seen all the social media posts from the Garth Brooks concert over at Allegiant on Saturday, and to see Allegiant Stadium full was just amazing uh, because, you know, I would sit there last year during games, especially in those late game situations against the Chiefs and the Dolphins and, and the Chargers games that we've talked about so many times that the, that the Raiders let slip through their hands defensively. And I, I could remember distinctly thinking, man, what's this going to look like and sound like and feel like when there's actually fans here? Because as it was, it was stone quiet except for what you can hear on the field. Hut, you know, red, the quarterbacks barking out the signals. You can hear the coaches, you know, screaming at the players and, and instructing the players. But other than that, it was just eerily quiet in the stadium. Yeah, there was some music. Yeah, they tried to pipe in some noise. But it was all contrived, and it just, you know, wherever we went, and that's not um, a slight on Allegiant Stadium. They did the best they could. Uh, but everywhere else was the same thing. It just there was an element that, that was missing. 
And so to see Allegiant on social media come alive with the fans at the um, at the Garth Brooks concert, I just it was so cool to see that because that's going to give us an idea of what it's going to look like when the Raiders get out there and play. Uh, I can't wait. Can't wait to see all you guys, all you fans, uh, listeners that are going to be in town, uh, whether you're here locally or, or coming from out of town to catch a Raiders game. Uh, can't wait to see you guys at Allegiant on Sundays. Heck, we could we, we might try to do some things on Saturdays before games uh, when the Raiders play at home. Uh, we'll, we'll keep you abreast and, and uh, updated on all, all that. So uh, I can't wait. Going to take a quick vacation, but I'll be back um, in, in, in on july 26th to kick it all off uh, i want to say thanks to uh, arash markazi my good friend from los angeles for spending some time with us in the huddle i want to say thanks to all the callers thank you very very much you know that you're the reason why we do all this uh thanks to devon cotton uh for holding it down uh at home court uh i'll be back tomorrow 4 to 6 p.m uh, i'll be broadcasting from raiders headquarters in henderson can't wait to revisit you guys tomorrow 4 to 6 in the huddle brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.